welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Right, so we are continuing in our series looking at encounters with Jesus where where heaven literally invades earth and the amazing, the miraculous, the impossible happens. And so we're going through the Gospels and we're going through them bit by bit and we're looking at these as the individuals who Jesus meets with. Um, and he, and as he meets with them, we find that these are people who are just like you and I. We've looked at a guy who was, who, who, um, who was a servant who did what Jesus asked him to. And because he did what Jesus asked him to, he saw this water being turned miraculously into wine. We saw this guy who who was an outcast, who was on the edge of society, and then Jesus comes into his life and he gives up everything to follow Jesus. Everything so much that he decides, right, I'm going to to throw a party and let everyone else know who about this Jesus. And we saw, as we saw sadly last week, we saw about a group of guys who, they saw Jesus bring heaven to earth right in front of them. They saw a man healed right in front of them, but they missed it because they were too worried about how Jesus did it rather than what Jesus did. And today we're going to continue and we're going to look actually at at thousands of people who witnessed Jesus break in, but actually we're going to look at and focus in on mainly one boy who sees Jesus break in amazingly with what he gives. So, I'm going to be in the uh, Gospel of Luke, and I'm going to be reading um, Luke 9, 12, to the first part 14 to start off with. So, here we go. When the apostles returned, and like I said last time, okay, when it says something's just happened, that's really important, and we'll get to that later, so just bear that in mind. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus Jesus, what they had done. Then Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, "Send the crowd away, so they came to the to so they can so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here." He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all the crowd, which were about 5,000 men. There were about 5,000 men there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray, God. I thank you, God, for, for coming to us this morning already. God, I thank you for reminding us of your goodness. God, I thank you for reminding us of, of, of your goodness in our lives, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would stir us again this morning. You'd stir us for faith. God, you'd stir us, Lord God, that, that to believe that you can do the miraculous, that you can bring heaven to earth, that you can do the impossible when, when we give what little we have. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd stir us to be generous. You'd stir us to be givers. You'd stir us to to come to you and give what we can. Amen. Amen. Right, so, so this basically, Jesus is touring the countryside, isn't he? He's touring the countryside, and he, everywhere he goes, he's teaching, he's telling people about the kingdom of God, and when people come to him, that some are sick, some are dying, some are, um, some are hurt, some have been injured, and he's laying his hands on them, and he's healing them, and they, they get better. 
And the crowds are growing and growing, and every place he goes, the more and more people come. And so we've got this, 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 this mass mob of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are following him. It says 5,000 men. You know, some people reckon there's about 20,000 people potentially following him at this point, going from place to place. And the disciples, um, I mean, I don't know whether they're kind of in care for the, the people or whether they're scared of the people. Um, they're, either in, either think they're either in care for the people and they're like, okay, Jesus, there's a lot of people here. They are soon going to get hungry. They're soon going to get tired. So let's be nice to them because there's nothing anywhere. Let's go and just tell them now, whilst they've got time, to go and find somewhere to, to, to sleep, somewhere to eat, and then they'll be all right. That might be how it is. I, I, um, for me, I reckon they were more like this. Jesus, there's a model of people who are soon going to get hungry and they're going to they're be tired and I don't want to be around thousands of people who are hungry and tired. I'd rather them be a long way over there when they're like that. So Jesus, come on, send them away right now. And Jesus, and, and you know what, this sounds like a decent idea. You know, hungry, tired people, let's, let's, let's send them in the direction where there's food and, and places to, to sleep. But Jesus has other ideas, doesn't he? Jesus has other ideas. Have you ever, you ever been there? You know, you've got, you see a situation. You're seeing it unfold. And you're thinking, this is a good thing that we should do now. You know, you, you, you live in a, in, a, in a nice area. You live in, you have your friends just around the corner. You know, you, you, you've been part of a, a church for a while. You, you, you've seen it grow. Um, you, you're, you're thinking, you know, what, 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 what Jesus wants you to do next in, in this town. You know, you, you're, you, you've been, you know, this is me, you, you know, you've been in Lancaster for, for a number of years and it's great. Whatever. And then you're like, well, what are we doing now, Jesus? He's like, no, what you're going to is you're going to move. You're going to move to Blackpool. You're going to be part of a building God's kingdom in Blackpool. And anyone, you know, anyone been there? You know, think this is a good idea, Jesus. And he's like, no, this is what I want you to do. And, and, and the crazy thing is, you know, it just seems impossible what he asks you to do, what he asks these people to do. You know, the, the Gospel of John kind of expands on what what actually was happening. It says Philip answered him. This is when he says, you know, you feed them. He says, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have one bite. Philip is like freaking out at this point. He's like, when I used to work, before I gave up everything and started following you, if I put half of my year's wages aside, I could barely buy every person here enough to put in their mouth. You know, what, what are we meant to do, Jesus? And then, and then Andrew, um, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up and goes, he goes, well, you know, I found a book. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. But how far will that go? I can imagine Andrew's kind of gone, okay, Jesus says, we need to sort this out, okay? Raise your hands if anyone's bought any food, okay? There's a lot of you here. Someone must have brought some food. And this kind of kid's hand goes up. And, and Andrew, I can imagine Andrew kind of ignores the kid. He's just like, anyone bought food? Anyone? No one? Come on, something. the kid's hand's still there up. No, I've got food, I've got food. Anyone else got no hands out of thousands upon thousands of people? Hands, got, hands are down. But this one kid's hands go, all right, all right. And they say, all right, come, come, come. Okay, okay. what have you got? Now, please tell me you've got a truckload of food over that hill. It's like, no, I've got a lunchbox. I've got a lunchbox with five little pieces of bread and, and, and some fish. It's like, Jesus. What are you saying? We need to feed them. This is our best idea. You know, try and de delegate it out. 
You know, to me, it feels like Jesus is kind of mocking them. He's kind of like smiling. He's just like putting them in an impossible situation and just kind of smiling going, what are you going to do? Come on, what are you actually going to do? I want you to feed them. And have you ever felt like God's kind of put you in an impossible situation? You know, we have lots of really hard situations that, that we find ourselves in. Lots of hard things that we feel like God wants us to do. I mean, just everyday stuff like um, you know, providing financially for our family. You know, physically, emotionally. You know, getting the, the right grades that we need. You know, be, being able to have enough faith to, to, to lead someone to Jesus. To, to be kind of, you know, that super mom or be that amazing dad or, or whatever. You know, there's lots of things that we feel like God has put on us that we feel these are really, really hard things. But then life happens. And those really, really hard things tip over into it's just impossible. You know, trying to, to hold down a job and then with, with physical or mental or emotional kind of disabilities. You know, trying to, trying to, 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 to raise kids is really hard. And then blank happens. Which seems to make it feel completely impossible. You see, we all have kind of everyday impossible things in our lives. You know, go and make friends. Well, I don't know anyone. And I'm in a town which I didn't grow up in, you know, and I don't know anyone. I don't, I don't know how, how I'm meant to do that. It just feels impossible. Illness. It, it, it just makes hard things become impossible. You know, feeding thousands of people is, is possible. Really, really hard. But, you know, you get, you get a catering team and, and several thousand you know, wait, wait, waiters and waitresses and, and, and a cooking staff. It becomes more probable. Place them in the field in the middle of nowhere, miles from anywhere, and even if there was a shop around the corner, they have no money to buy anything. As Philip said, you know, half my year's wages wouldn't, wouldn't be able to feed these groups. You know, this, this suddenly, this really, really hard task becomes impossible. You know, all they have, miles from anywhere with no money, is a kid's lunchbox. It's impossible. It's impossible. So what do you do? What do you do when you realise that Jesus asked you to do something that is impossible. What do you do? Do you, do you give up? Do you put your head in the sand and think, well, it'll be all right, it'll be all right? Do you, I think the, the apostles, they get really stressed. I think they start like kind of pacing around, thinking, oh my word, oh my word, oh, what, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do? They're just completely stressed, they take it all upon themselves. But, and do you know what? It's okay. If that's how you get, that's how I get anyway. It's okay. It's okay. If you ever felt like you, you want to give up, like it's just too much, it's okay. If you ever felt like you can't go on, it's okay. You don't need to hide. It, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine because Jesus is good. Because Jesus loves us. Actually, what we see is actually that we have a God who understands, who understands what it feels like to think, oh no, what am I going to do? We have a God who, who understands what it feels like when you feel like this task I've been given is too great. See, we have a God who 
the night before he was crucified, was found in a garden, sweating drops of blood. Who was there pleading with the Father, if there's any other way, you know, I'm not sure I can do this, I don't want to do this. If there's any other way, please take it from me. But we also have a God who from that situation, from his needs, was able to stand up, to rise up and face the cross, face death, and a few days later rise again. How? How did he go on? How did he manage to face the impossible? How did he face this, this event which felt even too hard for him? Well, it's because he knew the God who he served. He knew the God who he served. I see, he knew that God was that God was a God whose whose thoughts, whose ways were higher than our own. You see, he knew, he knew that, that, that we can't we can't search, we don't understand, we can't even begin to comprehend how great, how vast his understanding is. And he knew that God is a God who sits on a throne and reigns over all the nations. See, God is the God who has a plan for all salvation. God, God has a plan for salvation that, that no scheme of hell or man or anything else can ever, ever, ever undermine. It can't stop. We have a God who loves you, who loves me with a never-ending, never-stopping, always and forever love. A God who always has his best for you and I even when we can't see it. And we have a God who is seated upon a throne. That means he is sovereign, he is in charge, and he is always seated upon a throne. He, you know, we, no one can take him off the throne. No one can take the throne out from underneath, his, underneath him. No, he never falls off the throne. He is always and forever, constantly, always in control. And he will always be sovereign. He will always be king. Even when we, even when you, even when I fail, he doesn't. He never will. You see, and I encourage you, read stories. Read the stories. Read the Old Testament stories. Read the Old Testament, the, the history. I love the history stories in the Old Testament. Read them. Read them. Again, listen to, in them. The greatness, the, the joy, the wonder of his character, how good he is, how, how we get into situation after situation where things just seem impossible. A people enslaved, God breaks in. A people um, standing on the shores of the sea, trapped, army behind them, sea in front of them, God makes a way. An invading force coming into the land, God takes a small group of a few hundred men and destroys them. And God does time and time and time again. He does these impossible things. You know, read the New Testament, read the stories that Jesus did, the healings, the, the, the wondrous things that he does. Read the, the apostles, the, the Acts, Acts of the Apostles of what the New Testament church is like. Read church history of what God's done time and time and time again through the centuries. Tell stories, tell your own story. Tell, listen to other people's stories. It was great last week to hear um, Steve Monique's uh, just, just this quick little story uh, about what, what happened, the things that had happened through, through their week. And, uh, and I was, we were saying on Wednesday, actually, that it, what was great about that is, actually, it was really faith-building, and it's really faith-building to hear, actually, you know, two people said, okay, yeah, we want to follow Jesus. 
That's amazing. That's brilliant. We love to hear that. But you know what was also, I love the fact that these guys, sorry if I don't get it completely right, but these guys come into to their hotel and they're like, something's different about you. Something's different about this place. And you know what? We all have a choice if we're put in that situation. Because, you know, they could have said, they could have said, um, yeah, something's different about the atmosphere here. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, we use essential oils. We have, you know, vanilla candles. I, I, I mean, you might do, but, um, you know, we, 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 we have these things, you know, and, and, and whilst that might be a difference to the previous owners, but that's not what they're getting at. It wasn't what they were getting at. And the beautiful thing is, they said, no, it's Jesus, Jesus in us. And, and whether Jesus was to save them or not in that situation, the great thing was, and actually what we can take heart in, is actually that when we get those situations, when we, 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 we kind of take that deep breath and go, it's because I know Jesus. Actually, he moves. He moves in those situations. And let me tell you, it's so important that we regularly tell stories, we remind people stories, we, we get up old stories and tell them again. Because as we're going to see here with the, with the disciples, we have such short memories. We have, I don't know if you've ever read the history books in the, Old, in the Old Testament, and it's like, God does this miraculous thing, the next generation, they fall away from God. God does this miraculous thing, the next generation, they fall away from God. And you're like reading it thinking, how can they fall away from God when God has just done this amazing thing? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, we don't go a whole generation before we forget what God's done, do we? It's just Tuesday. <laughs> We need to be, we need to be, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of what Jesus has done. You see, at the very beginning of this passage, <coughs> Jesus sends the apostles out, sends, sends them out. And it says in Luke 9, 1 and 2, it says, When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to, and to curse, to cure disease, and, to, and, to, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And then what we read is, they come back and they said, Jesus, we did that. We healed people. We, we, set, we, we, we cast out demons. This is moments before. He then says, there's a load of un, unfed people. What are you going to do about it? Moments before, they had just done an impossible thing by healing someone who couldn't be healed. They had just cast out a demon at someone who'd been possessed for many years. And then Jesus said, okay, there's some wrong people. What are you going to do about it? But thankfully, they had forgot, but thankfully, there was a boy who I reckon probably was there because he'd seen one of these miraculous things. And he brings forward his lunch and says, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I know Jesus and he could do something with it. And it says in Luke 14 to 16, it says, But he said to the disciples, it's Jesus, have them sit down in groups of about 50. Just remember, they've received this boy's pack lunch, and they're like, well, what good is that going to do? And Jesus is like, okay, okay, right, sit down, get them to group up, and I'll show you what I can do with the boy's pack lunch. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking five loaves and two fish, and looking to heaven, he gave thanks and broke and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to the disciples to distribute to the people. Now, just before I go to the next line, I don't think 
the boy had a clue what was about to happen. You know, I honestly think the boy thought, okay, here's my lunch, maybe you can do some really clever cutting up and you can feed 10 people with my mum's packed lunch. You know, and I don't think this boy thought when he's running off to follow Jesus that morning and his mum's going, you're gonna be hungry. I need to give you some food, otherwise you're going to be a nightmare when you get back home. So I'm going to give you food, so, so you, when, when you get to sit down, you can eat this, and so when you come back, you're not shouting at me because you're all, all um, unpleasant and hungry. And I don't think when the boy set off that evening, uh, that, that, that morning, uh, with his lunchbox that his mum had lovingly carefully packed for him, and, and then Jesus said, you know, and Jesus asked for it, I, I, I don't think he thought that it was what was it was going to beat thousands of people. But the wonderful thing is what we see is, in this is that beautiful thing about God's economy is it's completely upside down. When we give what little we've got, we get amazingly, abundantly more. We get impossible things in return. So it says, continuing, it says, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Not, not, there was barely enough to feed a mouthful. There were 12 baskets left over. See, I, I imagine it like this, okay. Jesus, Jesus breaks the bread and he gives a little bit to, let's call, let's pick Peter. And Peter takes this bit of bread. It's like, okay, 50 people, piece of bread, 50 people, okay. There's some for you, and there's some for you, and there's some for you. And at some point he must be realizing this piece of bread isn't getting any smaller. So, so maybe it's kind of, okay, there's some for you. And, and oh, let's test this, okay. There's some for you. And he just keeps going, you know. There's some for you. And the more he rips off this piece of bread, it just doesn't get smaller. It just keeps going and going and going, like that widow in the story of Elijah, where she just keeps pouring the oil, and it just never runs out. He's just pulling this bread. It must have been amazing to witness, you know, as he just keeps pulling this bread, and, and he you know, must have got, had to have gone back to the first guys who he was stingy with. But, um, you know, eventually, he, 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 eventually they, they're like, everyone's fed, and I've still got this little bit of bread left to me. And then they start gathering up the bits of bread, and there's 12 baskets of bread left over, all because... This boy said, here's what I've got, use it. Here's what I've got, you can have it. That's the beautiful upside down nature of God's kingdom. We give and we receive immeasurably more. So my question to us is, as we end, is what do you, what do you have faith? What's God giving you faith to give? What faith has Jesus given you to give to him that he might use? John, would you have to just come back up, please? I'm going to ask John to, in a second to play us out. But what's Jesus given you? It's, this isn't a one-size-fits-all. This isn't a money talk. This isn't a we-need-people-to-serve-on-a-road talk. This is a you have gifts and talents. What has God given you that you have faith for? Time. Money, serving. You know, some of us have cars. We can give lifts. You know, what, what's, what, we have ears. We can listen. What's God given you that you can give to him that he might use? So I've got two points I want us to end on. And, so, and because it's cold, I'm going to ask you to stand to make sure you're awake um, and not frozen. Um, my first point is, okay, 
What impossible situation do you have in your life right now? What hard thing is going on right now in your life? Because I believe God wants to remind each one of us that he's on the throne. And no matter what happens in that situation, he is still God on the throne. So I'm going to ask you quietly, loudly, however you want to do it, just tell him right now. You may say, well, I told him this morning. Well, tell him again. Tell him again. You love to hear our voice. Tell him what you're struggling with. Tell him what you're struggling with. And as you do, I want to declare over that. I want you to declare over that, that he is in control. He is God on the throne of that situation. And no, more, no matter what happens, he is good. He's good over your finances. He's good over your job. He's good over your relationships. He's good over your children. He's good over your parents. He's good over your house. He's good whatever and everything else. He is good. Now, secondly, I believe God wants to increase our faith. He wants to increase our faith, that we have faith to see and be part of thousands fed kind of faith. You see, God hasn't asked us, actually this is what the God we serve, he hasn't asked us to do things that are humanly possible. He's actually asked us to do things that are, that are only possible for him. See, that's who we serve. We don't, do, we don't do church. It's not about doing things that we can do in our own strength. Being church together is about doing things that only he can do. You see, we are called to be a people who do the impossible, who see the sick healed, who see the dead raised, who want to see lives completely transformed for his glory. These are impossible things. They're not things that we can do. We, they're not things that are just hard. These are impossible things he has called us to do. So I'm going to ask you right now, what things has God put on your heart that feels just impossible? And I'm going to ask you to pray those things. Some of those things you may feel really silly because they feel so out there, so outrageous. You feel they'll never happen. Well, pray, ask him for them. And as you do, ask him for the faith to believe. And I'm going to pray and we're going to sing this song. Do you want to share? The kids this morning are watching a video and it's got um, a story in it of Peter healing a man who'd waited eight years and their, their sheet that they've got to do says, Annius waited eight years until Peter came and cured him in Jesus' name. It was a long way and people could easily give up hope during that time. But his story shows that nothing is hopeless when God is around. Nothing is impossible. And then there's something for them to colour in and write down um, what they're hoping for, what impossible situation they want to see change. And I just, wow God, mm. it's just a video, but God has got something to say. And that... It's for all of us, not just the kids. So I just want to encourage you, if you've got kids, and even if you've not, and there's a sheet left over, get a sheet and make, make what Ben's told us real to you by doing something with it. So it's not just hearing a word and a prayer and leaving, but take it home, write it down, put it on your mirror, on your wall, on the back of your door, 
and reach out for the impossible yeah. and talk to your kids about it. What have they written down? What are they hoping for? What do they, the impossible thing, do they believe God can do? Yeah, let's pray and sing. So, Lord Jesus, I... God, you are the God of the impossible. God, you're the God who does impossible things. God, that's why, why we, Lord God, that's, that's what it means to be a Christian, God. God, we were, we, us being saved wasn't a hard thing. Us being drawn into your family wasn't a really difficult thing. It was impossible. God, Lord Jesus, so we ask you, God, we ask you to raise, give us faith. Give us faith right now. Give us faith that this small group of people can see the impossible done in this town, in the towns and villages around, Lord God, that we would see your kingdom come through us. God, I ask you for more stories. God, I ask you for more stories like, like men and women coming into to, um, Steve and Monique's uh, uh, hotel and meeting the risen Lord Christ. I pray, Lord God, for more stories of people coming into our new place and meeting you. God, I pray for stories of people meeting every single one of these guys, Lord God, and, and seeing your kingdom come. Lord God, I pray for fresh faith. God, I pray for fresh faith for, 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 for family members, for, for, for mums, dads, spouses, children who, who, who don't know you yet. God, I pray for faith to see that impossible thing come to happen. Lord God, I pray for faith that would see the, the, see the lame, see the sick healed. Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that you, we would see you amongst us, God. We thank you for your amazing, glorious name. Lord Jesus, give us, give us the faith. God, give us the faith. Give us the, the ability to believe, Lord God, and to trust that through it all, you are king. You are God upon the throne. Let's sing. download and podcasts please visit ccblackpool.co.uk